Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We are so glad that you're here today. We're continuing our second week of our series called The Good Life. And, and we believe that you can have the good life specifically when you get a healthy relationship with God and healthy relationship with other people. And you find out that very reason, the purpose that you've been placed here on this earth. I'll tell you, today we're focusing on relationships. And you know what I've discovered? If your relationships are good, then by and large, you know, you're on the road to having that good life. But, you know, just let the relationship get out of kilter just a little bit. And, and it seems like everything else in your life is, could be out of balance. I mean, this past week, Patty and I had one of those weeks in our house. I mean, you know, every once in a while we have one. And we had one of those knockdown, drag out kind of fights. And I'm telling you, I thought it was over when she came crawling to me on her hands and knees. And she said, Marty Baker, you better get out from under that bed, you coward, and come fight like a man. Uh, We don't do that very much. Our personalities aren't like that. But we started thinking about, we're more like that older couple that was like sitting on the couch. and, And she looked over to husband. She said, you remember when you used to sit close to me and he slid down the couch right beside her and she looked at him and said do you remember when you used to snuggle with me and he put his arms around her and she she looked up at him and said do you remember when you used to nibble on my ear and he frustrated got up walked off and she said baby where are you going he said well I'm going to get my teeth (laughs) he had a problem and sometimes you have uh, problems in your relationships. And so today we're continuing our series, as you know, and we're going to focus on how to love people, how to make the best out of a bad situation or a bad relationship. And what we understand is that we all have our part to play in the relationships. We all have our part to play. And what the foundation scripture for today's talk comes from Romans chapter 12 and verse 18. He said, if it is in If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. So as far as it depends upon you, I want you to live at peace with everyone. Here's what I want you to know, and you can fill in the blank. If you want to live a good life, it must be filled with healthy relationships. If you want to live a good life, then then you will be... Filled with good relationships, or healthy relationships. You can have a, uh, two of them there. Um, for me personally, I don't know of anything that can deflate my, the energy out of my life than being in conflict with somebody. It's like being in conflict. Like I can have the greatest week, but that conflict with that person just kind of weighs me down. And I just don't like it. I'll tell you, um, if you have conflict with, with folks at work, it doesn't, it takes the joy of being at work, uh, out of, uh, your experience there. If you have conflict at home, it's like, you don't want to go home. And, you know, through the years, Patty and I have been very compatible. You know, we've been married 35 years and we just, we haven't had those, um, 
high intense moments, but only a handful of times, just a handful of times. And, um, and most of the time it has happened in our life when we've had pressures that we were trying to deal with. And so many times those pressures come, uh, as a result of finances and specifically in the days when we were living paycheck to paycheck, it's like that the financial pressure just really drove us to a place where we didn't want to go, but we didn't, uh, we were expressing that tension in, in unhealthy ways. I can remember years ago that, um, we were living paycheck to paycheck and we couldn't really afford a good vacation, but the Lord provided in a unique kind of way. I have a friend who pastors central church and Hilton Head. And I'm telling you for 10 or 15 years, every summer when Pastor Carr would go on vacation, uh, he would invite me down to, to fill his pulpit and I could stay at his house on Hilton Head for a week free. So that was a pretty good deal. And so we just looked forward to doing that every year uh, because we couldn't afford to do that on our own. And I remember one time we were standing in his house and we made one of the trips out to the outlet mall and, and just to go look, okay. But when we came home, I dis- uh, discovered that Patty did more than just look. She came home with a bag and, and she said, oh, did you see the new dress I bought? And at that point, I just went ballistic. I said, how could you go out and buy a dress when you know we can't even make ends meet here? And so uh, we were in the uh, room by ourselves, but our voices uh, were raised. And I'm telling you, I'm raising my voice. And, and of course, she's turning on the tears. And, um, and it was one of those bad experiences. We opened the door. The kids were in the living room crying because they thought we were going to get a divorce. Okay, here's the deal. The dress cost $30. Mm-hmm. It cost me a lot more than $30 to make up for that. Guys, you've got to learn to watch your words. Every word has a dollar amount on it. Seriously. And when you let those words fly, I'm telling you, that's how you get in financial problems. You're draining the bank account to make up for the, the words that you, that you shared. And so just learn from me. Don't do what I did. Um, here's the point. A great marriage is born the moment when a husband and a wife decide to stop fighting against each other and make a decision to start fighting for each other. Notice that word for each other. Uh, This past week, I I was on Pinterest and I I did a quick search and I came up with that quote. I mean, that is an awesome quote. A great marriage is born the moment when a husband and wife decides to stop fighting against each other. And to start fighting for each other. Then I, I read that and it says, you know, for more of this information, go to Dave and Ashleywillis.com. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you type in uh, marriage uh, on Pinterest, you're going to find more stuff from Dave Willis than almost anybody in the country. And go Dave, go. He writes some of the best words we know of, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, but I thought that was such an important thing that, that we come to the place where we we're stop fighting against each other. And we said, look, we're going to, this is something worth fighting for. We're going to put our energies to work things out, to make things better, to make this relationship work. And so many times, uh, we don't do that. We just allow the conflict to, to permeate and all of us have conflict. 
I mean, if you're living in the real world, there's going to be moments, maybe even this week, where you're going to have some conflict. It could happen at home. It may happen at school. It may happen in the neighborhood. It may, be, it may happen at work. Anytime people rub shoulders together, there's the potential there to have conflict. And we've got to learn how to work through our differences. Because you see, so many times we want to get so ingrained in what we think and what we feel like is right that we don't even listen to the other people. And we've got to have grace enough to allow other people to think and to feel what they feel. And so if, if, you, if you become so ingrained in your own opinion, then you're going to be stuck there for a long time. And after a season, you're going to be stuck there by yourself. And so we've got to learn how to get along with each other. We've got to learn how to work through some differences. You know, the Bible shares a story about two guys who were working together. In fact, they were working together in ministry. One was named Barnabas and one was named Paul. Now Barnabas, his name means the son of encouragement. Paul, we know his story because he became the apostle Paul. In fact, he wrote one-fifth of the New Testament. Here's the backstory: Paul at one time was a man who at this point in his life was named Saul. And he had this hatred toward Christianity. And he would do whatever possible to stop the spread of Christianity in the region. To the point where he, he mistreated uh, followers of Christ... He uh, tortured them. He tried to do, he placed them in jail. He tried to do anything to stop the message from getting out. One day, Saul was riding to Damascus to go put some Christians in jail for their faith when a light shone out of heaven onto Paul and it blinded him. It knocked him off of his horse. When he came to, he realized that this light was from heaven he realized it was the Lord and he said, uh, what do you want me to do, Lord? At that moment, he recognized Jesus, the one he, he was persecuting, he recognized him as the Lord. And so he's, at that moment, he became a Christian. Now, he began to share his story and eventually he wound up in the ministry. Now, Paul was transformed. But the people in the church, they were skeptical of him. Isn't that that guy that was working against us? Isn't that that guy that was putting some of our brothers and sisters in jail? We don't want anything to do with this guy. But there's a guy named Barnabas, the son of encouragement, came around and put his arms around Paul and said, Paul, I want to help you mature in the faith. And so that's what... That's what Barnabas did. He, he discipled Paul and together they became a strong ministry team. Barnabas, the encourager, Barnabas, the comforter, Barnabas, uh, the cheerleader, while Paul, the evangelist and Paul, the teacher. And these two people became a strong ministry uh, team. But eventually these two people who were involved in worthy pursuits, found themselves on the opposite end of a, a, a dispute. And this conflict between these two godly people, this conflict became so sharp and so difficult that they split up. 
So we pick up their story in Acts chapter 15, verses 36 through 40. It said, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit the brothers in the towns that we preach the word of the Lord in, and let's go see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him. Barnabas wanted to take John Mark. But Paul didn't think it was wise to take him. Why? Because John Mark had deserted them when they were in Pamphylia and had not continued the work with them. In other words, they were down in Pamphylia and Mark said, hey, I've had enough of this. I'm going home. And so they had such a sharp, Barnabas and Paul had such a sharp disagreement of whether we should allow Mark to travel with us that they separated. They parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Notice verse 40. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. Now, you've got to understand this. John Mark was Barnabas's cousin. And um, he wanted him to go. He said, this is my cousin. I want him to go. And, and, and Paul said, no, the guy betrayed us. I'm not going to stand for it. And I don't know, but there could have been a theological issue at the very core of this disagreement. Um, apparently at that time, John Mark did not believe that you are saved by faith and faith alone. And so Paul uh, resented this fact and did not feel like Mark belonged in his ministry. And he refused to give Mark a second chance. And I can imagine this is when Barnabas went up to him and said, hey, bud. There was a time when people in the church wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole, Paul. They were scared of you. They didn't like you. But I came around and I gave you a second chance. And I want you to do the same thing for my cousin, John Mark. Paul said, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. Here's the point we need to understand. Everyone will need a second chance sooner or later. And we need to be the first one to extend grace. Okay? Look at your relationships. Look at those relationships where people have failed you, they've made mistakes, and, and, and it's gone sour. Could it be that now is the time that you would extend grace and a second chance? You know, the Bible says... Doesn't say either one of these were wrong or right. So many times, who's right and who's wrong here? The Bible doesn't say that Paul was right or wrong or that Barnabas was right or wrong. Often in scriptures, the, uh, that kind of judgment will be made. This guy was right, this guy was wrong. And it was very clear, but not in this case. The Bible doesn't say that the Holy Spirit led them. That the Holy Spirit nudged Paul to go and take Silas or, or, or Barnabas to take Mark. It doesn't say that at all. Sometimes it is left us, left up to us to decide. God has given you reason. He has given you a brain. He's given you a mind. He's given you the ability to figure some things out. And so just do that. And so Barnabas took his cousin and, um, and therefore at that point, the successful ministry team of Paul and Barnabas split up. Never in the book of Acts do you see these two guys working together. Again, after this point, never do you see 
Barnabas took John Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and continued the journey, strengthening the churches that previously served. Now, we look at this story here. Is there any kind of thing that we can learn from it? There's several things. You can fill in the blank here. Here's just something very simple. Sometimes good relationships go bad. Sometimes good relationships Good relationship. You've got a great office team. Everything is working well. But then whatever happened, you don't even know what happened. But all of a sudden now that office that you're working in is toxic. And you're trying to figure out what went wrong because there we had good times. We had good relationships. We had good sales. But now everything seems on the downhill slide. Sometimes good relationships go bad. That just happens that way. And it goes, uh, they go bad for a number of reasons. At times it's because we, we lose trust. There's a lack of trust involved in the relationship. And maybe one person has broken trust and they're trying to mend it back. But the other person just can't get past the fact. Oh, we can be friends, but you're not going to work here again. You know, it's that type. No, they just can't get past that. And so a good relationship now, now goes bad. Or maybe it's a lack of communication. You know, you got. If you want a strong work environment, you want a strong uh, harmony in your home. You've got to learn how to communicate and communicate in a way that that people understand it. Uh, communicate in a way that they get it. Maybe that uh, a good relationship goes bad because you don't invest enough time in it. Good relationships require time, and you've got to invest the time in that working relationship to make it happen. Pastor Todd and I have been uh, partners uh, here at the Creek for 22 years. This will be our 23rd year. It's taken a lot of effort and a lot of time, but if you're going to have a strong, and this is unusual in our work to have uh, two people to work this length of time together. It's because we've invested time to make the partnership work. We, we feel like this is valuable and, and that between us, we have a lot of experience here. But it takes time. You have to work. Here's the point. Next fill in the blank. The core of a good relationship is compromise. The core of a good relationship is compromise. We've got to learn how to get along with people. We've got to learn how to get along with people, even if they are difficult people. Yes, you will face some difficult people along the way. Here's the point. Relationships require sacrifice. Being an acquaintance is easy, but a real friendship requires real work. A real friendship requires real work. It takes work. You know, you see some folks that they have these deep relationships and you're, you're, you're somewhat jealous of that in a, in a good kind of way. Oh, I would love to have a friend like that. You have to understand if you go a little bit deeper in that relationship, you know that those two people have worked hard at it. They've shown up when they would rather do something else. They've rolled up their sleeves When that person is moved for the 10th time, (laughs) you know who your friends are on moving day, don't you? Um, And so that kind of relationship really uh, requires a lot of work. And we've got to learn how to do that. And when that conflict starts to 
to develop, you've got to think through this. You've got to step back from your emotions and say, okay, what's really going on here? You know, when somebody does something that is so contrary to your line of thinking, maybe you back up and you process it. You think through it and you, you ask yourself the question, don't say this out loud because it won't be a good relationship after this. But ask, ask yourself, why would a reasonably rational and decent person do this? Now, that's a real good question for you to ponder on the inside without saying that. Because you could say those words to your friend and uh, they take it the wrong way. But I want you to process that. Why would a reasonable, decent, good person do this? What's going on behind the scene? And then you start to try to understand that person before being understood by him or her. You try to understand before you understand. You try to say, what's going on here? Okay, we, we, we think about this. Here's the second thing. I believe that God can make bad things work out for good. I believe that God can make bad things work out for good. This is the heart of Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 where God takes those bad things and, and brings good out of them to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We go back to the story here, Paul and Barnabas. Like I said, they never got together again. But the story doesn't end there. Twelve years later, while the Apostle Paul was sitting in a jail cell in the city of Rome. He was chained to a guard. Paul was visited by a young man that he once rejected. John Mark came to see him. You see, at the end of his life, right before Paul was getting ready to die, we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. He said, only Luke is with me in jail here. I want you to go get Mark, John Mark, and I want you to bring him with you. I need, you to, I need to talk to Mark because what? Mark is helpful to me in my ministry. Isn't that interesting? He is the very reason that that he and Barnabas, uh, Mark is the very reason that he and Barnabas split up. But now, 12 years later, he said, I need you to go get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful. He is helpful to me in my ministry. Now, before John Mark died, he wrote the gospel according to Mark, the news of grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The scripture does not give us the details, but I believe that somewhere along the way, Barnabas, tender-hearted, encouraging Barnabas, took John Mark down and said, John Mark, I want you to spend a few years with me and I want to teach you about the grace of Jesus Christ. And I believe when John Mark understood the grace of Jesus Christ, it transformed his life and he sought forgiveness and he was reconciled by Paul at the end and they became brothers. Look, we all face conflict at various times in our lives, how we handle that conflict will affect the success of our work. When the conflict's left undealt with, unhandled, it's going to be an issue 
And it's going to be an issue that will drag you down and keep you from reaching your full potential and keep you from being that person that you've been called to be. So let's be real practical here. What do we see in this story and what can we learn? There's three things I think we can learn. Here's the first one. Always tell the truth, but speak it in love. Always tell the truth, but speak it in love. There's a great temptation when we are angry with someone. That we allow that angry, uh, that anger to affect our words. And then instead of being kind to them, we're going to be rude to them. And the angrier we get, the ruder we are. And we just want to set things right. And we do it with our words. And we were very rude with our words. And we also do it with our body language. It's how we respond with our body. Um, here's the point. We've got to be tactful. You've got to learn how to be tactful. You've got to learn how to be able to change the subject without changing somebody's mind. It's about being that person that can work through and just kind of listen without making an argument out of it. Here's the point. Your opinion may be right, but if it doesn't come from a place of love and compassion, then your attitude is still wrong. Look, you're bright, you're smart, and you've got great opinions, and you may be right in this opinion. But just because you're right doesn't mean that they're at a place where they can receive that. And so we've got to learn how to speak the truth in love. We've got to learn how to have grace. We've got to tell the truth, but speak it in love. And to do that, it requires us to have respect. And that we learn to respect others. And that maybe we become sympathetic to uh, to their plight or their situation, but that we choose our words um, respectfully. Look, rudeness never pays, but kindness will. The Bible says that um, that kindness uh, will lead us to repentance. It says that, uh, that, that it'll open doors for us. Pro, uh, Romans 12 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Overcome evil with good. Here's the second thing. We're going to speak the truth in love, right? The second one is that we're going to apologize when you're wrong. We're going to apologize. James chapter 5 and verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. So that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Therefore, confess your sins. Confess your faults. There there comes a point that if we're going to go deep in a relationship, we've got to learn how to have those kind of conversations. That we admit it when we make mistakes and we own up to our issues. And we, we are very clear, said, I am so sorry that I did this. And we name that offense that we have done. 
and that we start apologizing for the specifics. And we say, I am really sorry that I didn't consider you or, or I should have called you when I was late or, or I can see why you were so worried. I am sorry that I raised my voice. You see what I'm doing? I am apologizing, but I'm also naming the offense. I am sorry that I raised my voice. I am sorry that I did not call you when I was going to be late. There's a big difference between remorse and repentance. And and I want you to go the next step that you just admit it and you turn around to make it right. Here's the uh, third and final one. I want you to be the first one to forgive and then let it go. Be the first one to forgive and let it go. Be the first one to take that step and say, hey, let's patch things up. And I want you to understand that forgiveness is not overlooking an issue, but it's acknowledging it is it is addressing the issue. And it's dealing with it and letting it go. I think it's a deliberate decision to release somebody of those feelings that you have. And look, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? It's hard that we say, I forgive you, and then to release them, to let it go. I wonder at that point is where we start to understand that daily forgiveness. Because some things that happen in life, it's, it's hard just to, to get through them. But there comes a point that you got to deal, you got to get through it. You've got to forgive every day until your heart starts to change. Several years ago, I had an issue with a friend. I would, you know, and we made it, we did it all the right things, you know, uh, and we addressed it on the outside. We did everything we're supposed to do. I still had an issue on the inside because I wouldn't let it go. When I'd see that person, I would still think about it. Even though it would have been inappropriate for me to go and say, I forgive you because they would say, or, or, or please forgive me because we had already done that. But I was still having an issue with that. And it was me. I was holding on. I was holding on to this grudge. You see, holding uh, on to a grudge doesn't make you stronger. It makes you bitter. And forgiving someone does not make you weaker, but it, it'll set you free. And I was holding on to that. And one day the Lord spoke to me. And he said, here's what you need to do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take an envelope. And I want you to put five $100 bills in that envelope. And I want you to go give that to this person. And I said, really? $500? And I just knew it was from the Lord. And so I got five $100 bills, put it in an envelope, and gave it to this person. I walked away, and here's what the Lord said to me. And you will do this every week until you let it go. I'm telling you, it didn't take but one week. (laughs) One week. That is a true story. True story there. I let it go. We've got to let it go. And and I... Um, I am thankful it only cost me 500 because sometimes you hold on to things and you lose thousands of dollars. Got to let it go. 
Life is too short to continue living with this baggage and this anger and this resentment and this pain. Life is too short. You got to just forgive and you got to let it go. You know, we start off with the scripture. As long as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Which the Bible is clearly to say, you know, you can only do your part. The other person has to respond. And that person may receive that and everything may be great from then on, but it may not be. But you can rest assured that you have done your part. That's all. We're not trying to heal the world here. We're just trying to make your life a little bit better. Just let it go. But oftentimes to let it go, we have to own the fact of those things that we've done, those things that we've said. And if we're not willing to own it, then it's not going to happen because you cannot confess to God what you will not acknowledge to yourself. You see, some folks have issues But they won't acknowledge those issues as being real issues. So therefore they can't confess them to God. And they can't find the healing and forgiveness that they need. We have to come clean and say, God, I am the one that is in need of a touch. I am the one that is is, in need of forgiveness. Please forgive me. And once that forgiveness starts to flow between you and God, you'll find it easier to allow that forgiveness to flow between you and the next person. Today, I want you to think about this. And for those of you that have buried the hurts and buried the pains, you also have buried the possibility of healing and forgiveness. James 5 and 16, confess your faults one to another. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. God's going to hear and answer your prayer. You just got to call on him. You got to confess it. Are you ready? So over the last few minutes, some of you have been talking. I've been, uh, some of you have been thinking as I've been talking. And the reason your mind has been wondering is because the Holy Spirit's been involved in your, com- in your thoughts. And he's allowed some pictures of people to come to your mind. And some of you, when you saw those pictures of those people in your mind, you actually rolled your eyes at God. Really? Not this again. So the Lord is just prompting you, yes, this again. And it's not about that other person as it's much about you. He just wants you to be free. Do you want to be free? Do you want to be at peace? I just want you to call on the name of the Lord and say, God, help me. Help me to have the strength and the courage to forgive. Let your grace flow through me to others. Well, our time's up. I want to pray for you, okay? Father, thank you so much for this day. It's my prayer that your power and your strength would rest upon your people. And that this would be a day that we would say, Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me for the sins that I've committed. Forgive me for my mistakes. Make me into the kind of person that you'd have me to be. I receive that. Say, Jesus, I receive that forgiveness. And Father, give us the strength and courage to love others and to forgive. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.